You know when your mojo is working, you feel like anything is possible. There's a spring in your step, your thoughts are clear, and well, you've just got the vibe. If you're looking for that vibe, or if you just want to keep it, you've come to the right station. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. I hope you got your journals and your pens, all your coloured pens, by your side, ready to rock and roll because this show is all about understanding how to use your pen and paper to learn better and make you smarterer, which is basically the whole idea of the Mojo Radio Show. If you've joined us for the first time, we just find interesting people to interview. Rob and I ask them questions, seek out their opinions, their views, their tips and tools on how you can get your mojo working in and out of work. If you're a regular and you have subscribed through iTunes to the Mojo Radio Show, thanks for doing that. Thanks for joining us today. But it's interesting, folks, that I'm running solo today because Robbo is currently on a bus with 40 young footballers, him and 10 dads are taking a rugby tour, rugby union tour across the land of the long white cloud. So we will be crossing to Robbo and some of the boys on the bus shortly. But in the meantime, I'm rolling solo. And this week's show is about taking notes and how we can effectively take notes to enhance our learning. And there's a lot of science behind this. And some time back, I met a guy called Guy Downs who lives up in central west New South Wales, a place called Tamworth, the country music capital of Australia. And I met Guy because I was speaking and Guy was at the back of the room. He had these massive big white boards and he was taking visual notes of all the stuff that I was talking about. So I was doing a speech on Mojo and he was drawing illustrated caricatures and symbols that could be downloaded by the participants in the room to help them remember the stuff that we had discussed. And what was really quite incredible about it is that there were 400-odd people in the room and 370 people went to the website to download Guy's picture. So a couple of weeks ago, a cartoon turns up of the Mojo radio show featuring Robbo and I, which was pretty cool. So Robbo and I decided to give him a quick call, have a chat, and uh, here's how the call went. Hi, this is Guy. Hey, Guy, it's Robbo and Gary from the Mojo Radio Show. How are you going? Hey, Gary. Hey, Robbo. I'm well. How are you guys? Mate, we are great. We rang to thank you for sending through that epic little cartoon of us, mate. That was... Um, that, that, that sort of stuff gets your mojo working. Absolutely. Oh, absolute pleasure. No, the idea came because I thought... Um, you know, we all, we all learn different ways, but one of the, the best ways is through listening. And um, podcasts are just a beautiful way of doing that. You can do it on the bus, on the car, on the train, under a tree, in your own time, and you can go back to it as much as you want to pick out those insights that are relevant to you and your life. So you obviously listen to our show then. Is that, is that right? You're a bit of a fan? Yes, I do. Obviously, Gary, I listen to your show, and I've seen your work, so I, I love that. Uh, you just put yourself up for a slip <laughs> on a rope, mate. I think there's a slip <laughs> in the rope in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> where are you? Um, where are you based, guy? Like, a so, couple of questions. Where are you based, and what exactly do you do? Yeah, well, I'm based in country New South Wales. I'm based in Tamworth, um, and um, I love the, the country life and the space and the time and the big skies. And um, what I do as a job is that uh, I guess the short version is that I'm an illustrator, um, but I sort of operate in the visual communication sphere, and it really is using drawings to help people tell their stories. 
uh, and that's usually in an organizational setting. Um, and the stories can help draw out people's strategies or their visions. Uh, if they're going through a change, it can bring clarity to them. Uh, it can also help people sort of define the story of their company and who they are and where they're going. So very much it's sort of visual communications. Um, a lot of my work is hand-drawn uh, and uh, a lot of listening. I draw, I draw and listen to people. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a way of just bringing attention to what's important to people. Uh, I've been through your website to look at the sorts of people you're working with and you really have quite a top-tier list of clients that you have worked with in the past. One of those, Robbo, was uh, our mate Phil Lynch, the team at Johnson & Johnson oh, have wow. used Guy for doing stuff according to the website, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, Guy, when you're working with these people and you are doing your visual consultancy work, I guess you call it, why, why does it work? Like why, what's the power in having somebody come in and visually capture these things? Well, I think um, the bottom line is why people bring me in is, it, it, is that um, it helps people understand uh, whatever they're talking about. So I'm brought in usually into workshops or meetings to capture the conversation. Uh, and I do that by putting a big poster on the wall. Um, I listen intently and I draw out their ideas. So um, the big themes and big ideas that they um, – I'm talking about it's my role to transfer that through my ears, through my head, through my hand, onto the paper um, using hand drawing. And I think it works because um, people get to see what they're talking about and what they mean. It goes up onto, onto paper and it's being captured. Um, I also think it shows that voices are being heard, which I think is very important in an organizational setting. There are many meetings where you know, everyone shares their ideas, but when they walk out, the, those ideas walk out with them and they're gone. Whereas if you capture them, it shows that people's ideas and their thoughts are being um, heard and, and, and recognized. Um, I also think by charting and mapping ideas, um, you get the ability to uncover insights. So you can see things as they go up on the wall, uh, and then people can find links. Um, I also think that by putting things up on paper uh, or a whiteboard, um, it's, it gives people the ability um, to see their ideas, but also permission to share more ideas. They can spark ideas. They can use the poster as a springboard. And it gives people to p permission to share their own ideas. So it's, I guess it also builds confidence. So there are lots of dynamics that happen in the room when you have a graphic recorder uh, or a visual note taker as myself in the room. A lot of things start sparking um, by having somebody in the room. And it works very well when you have a great facilitator in the room. So somebody who can drive a group and drive a process uh, ask great questions and then move that group from A to B. And A to B could be wherever they want to end up at the end of that workshop. So they have the output they want. That might be clarity around their strategy or their vision, or if they're going through a change, or you know, how do they boost performance. Um, and so these two dynamics in the room work very well together, having a great facilitator and then someone like myself capturing the ideas. So what sort of things are you drawing, Guy? Like if we're talking, if, if during the meeting I was talking about, I think a chair would look good over there in the corner. Are you drawing a chair in the corner or? Yes, I am. Exactly right. So what I do is I draw a chair in the corner and then obviously you'd, you'd be giving context and reason around why that, that chair is in the corner. Hmm. So you might say, you know, we need to corner our big idea. And um, I see the idea as a chair. It's got four key pillars, and that might be the four, four legs of the chair. Yeah. And then on that, those chair legs, the foundation of the chair, mm. I might write the, the inputs you need to you know, bring your big idea to life. And then yeah, on the rest right. of the chair, 
I might put the rest of the information that you share. So I guess the, the, the chair or the, the visual is a, it's a metaphor, it's an anchor mm. um, for people to, um, to, to feed off. Yeah, and to recall from. Yeah, it's great. Yes. I think uh, our anchor would be the Tiger Skid Lounge at the Lava Lab, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and the half empty packet of Tim Tams in yeah, the yeah. corner. And the ACDC uh, poster that's peeling off the anyway, door. Yeah. yeah, we digress. Guy, have you always been able to draw? Because the reason for my question is we've talked about a conference and I have worked at numerous conferences with people like yourself who've worked in the room taking a graphic record. And I think they're fantastic. In fact, um, I know an event that you and I worked at some years ago in Sydney called the Dave Inspiration and there were yes. 400 tickets sold. You do graphic representations of all the keynote speakers and I think two days after the conference, 330 people had downloaded the visual representation. So wow. in any man's language, Robbo, that is yeah, huge results of just showing the power of what can happen. Mm. Guy, if I flip that around and I look at somebody sitting in the room watching a keynote speaker and they are doing their own visual representations in their journal, have you always been able to draw or is this a skill you've taught yourself? Because I think people are sitting there going, well, mm. we may have a facilitator and a visual recorder, which I think is a fantastic idea and I've seen it work so well. But then the other part I'm sitting there well going, I'm in the audience. I wish I could draw like Guy because I would do it in my own journals. Have you always been able to draw? Yeah, I, I've always been able to draw. So um, it's something that I've had, I guess, as um, a real interest and a passion since being a, being a kid, actually. So it goes back to my childhood and, and always wanted to draw at home, um, having sort of a creative backdrop of my parents were both sort of artistic or they're always drawing or doing something creative. So I think that sort of was a, a platform and foundation for always drawing. And then I went through school um, and then sort of brought it into my, um, obviously, my work life. Um, but I think in terms of um, uh, building confidence, anybody can really draw. And I really promote people to pick up their journal and, and try and doodle and, and, uh, um, and draw. And I think sometimes people might be fearful of drawing because they can't draw as well as they'd like to, or they can't draw as well as they see me drawing in the room. But I think what it really is, it's, it's, it's around connecting meaning to scratches on a page. Uh, so in your journal, if you draw something, it has meaning to you. And I think that's what's powerful. Uh, and it might spark fresh thinking or take you back to what that speaker said in the room. So I think I'd really promote people to have a go, pick up a pen and build confidence. It does come through, through practice. Uh, and that's the sort of journey I've taken myself is by practicing, practicing, practicing. Um, and also, I was very lucky to have um, uh, sort of my career starting in communications and public relations where it's all around storytelling and uh, listening and uh, tailoring the message for your audience. So that's been a really good starting point for me. And on top of that, I've been able to layer my drawing. So now I'm basically, I guess, at the intersection of communications, art and business. So when you see me drawing in a room, there's a lot going on. I'm listening I'm trying to pick out the big ideas and transfer those onto the paper so people actually have a really valuable record um, at the end. And I think people can start doing that themselves in their journal. And the great thing about doing it in a journal is it, it's safe. Um, you're working on your own. It's a book just for yourself. So you can build up your own capability and confidence just by picking up a pen and uh, putting a mark on the page. I was attending the 
International Alliance of Learning, which is basically a conference that runs overseas in the United States. Yeah. And it's a conference for school teachers and facilitators and trainers and people who run workshops. And it's all about how do you basically present information so people get it quicker and get it more effectively. Yeah. And I was over there with a, a guy I knew, a mate of mine called Christopher Whitnell, and he runs a company called TalkForce. And he's an expert in media training, presentation skills, facilitation. And what was really interesting was when I was sitting with Chris in, you know, there's all these breakouts and I was sitting and he would get his journal and he would listen to a keynote speaker and he might write one word on a page. Yeah. And he'd write one word, colour it because he had a fistful of crayons and pens, different colours. And he'd colour it in one word that he'd turn the page. And I go, mate, <laughs> you're wasting all the page. But, <laughs> What he taught me was that exactly what you said is that your scratchings have representation for you to help you learn. And I've read, and having gone for this conference and read and done a lot of work on accelerated learning, which is actually how we process information to better use it. Yep. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it said that depending on who you talk to, between 45 to 55% of us learn visually. So doodles and colours and graphs and drawings and things that have colour and are interesting to the eye really stimulate the learning for most of us. And that's what Christopher really demonstrated by his doodles and colours and one word which he colour in. My question is why why are we so scared to do this? Why do we have why do we think we have a journal we've got to write in nice neat lines and the more words you put on the page and why are we scared to put one word on or a big arrow or a stick man? Or it's a, a great question and um, I sometimes think the same, like if I'm in a conference or a workshop setting or a meeting, you know, why are people sort of, um, uh, I guess, slightly um, reserved about picking up a pen and, and walking up to the flip chart? And I think it's, it's um, we sort of unlearn creativity as we get older. Like if we go through school, uh, I think it's... Um, uh, Dan Rome or Dan Pink has a great story where you, um, if you ask a, a classroom of preschoolers who can draw, they all put up their hand. Then if you go to that same class when they're, you know, in their late teens and say who can draw, only one or two will put up their hand. And I think creativity is in all, it, it's within all of us. It's just keeping it front of mind and keep, keeping on practicing and, and not being afraid about making a mistake on the page. Um, because as long as you get across your meaning, because usually your drawing is accompanied with your voice or your explanation. So that also helps um, bring your point to life. And I think we might not draw as much as we did as a child um, or in a corporate setting, but I think we still, as you mentioned, we learn visually, but we also speak visually. I mean, we, you can hear people say frequently, um, you know, I get the picture, I see what you mean, uh, the way I view it is this, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what's, what's um, important is to just try and, and give people confidence that um, you can learn a lot by drawing for yourself or within a, in a, a meeting setting and giving people just some, I guess, some practical tools or steps which will allow them to draw in that setting. So that's something I built as well with a, a great colleague and facilitator of myself. Um, we, we built... Um, a little, I guess, course called Visual Foundations where we can teach pretty much anybody to draw anything in about four hours. Um, obviously, yeah, it's, we've, we've come up with this, this um, 
workshop structure where we teach people about five or six seed shapes, so basic shapes. If you combine them together, you can draw anything in the world. Of course, there's always you know, the caveat and the asterisk that it, you need to go away and practice it so you feel confident and you can, you can integrate it in your, in your meetings. But, um, and it's a great to see the response people, people have when they realize that you know, it doesn't have to look like Vermeer or Picasso or Rembrandt. Um, you know, it, it, as long as it's your drawing and it helps you know, spark understanding or speed up alignment with the people you're talking to, it can be very powerful. It's half time on the Mojo Show. And time to pause for a cause. Hey, Gary and Robbo. I'm Kat Swinton from Catalyst PR, and I strongly support Cure for Brain Cancer. Check it out at www.curebraincancer.org.au and keep listening to Mojo Radio Show for details of the next Rock for Doc. The Mojo Radio Show. I had an example of this just the other day, Guy. It's really interesting. My my 12-year-old, um, when he was younger, used to love drawing. He would always draw and really? sketch right. and doodle and all sorts of stuff. And he's now in year seven and had a Japanese assignment the other day. And he had to come up with a conversation in Japanese, but then he also had to illustrate it. And he yeah, was okay. sitting at the homework table, which is out near our kitchen, and I was cooking dinner, and I could see him becoming more and more frustrated. And I walked over and I went, what's the problem? And he said, oh, I've got this assignment and blah, 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 blah. And he showed me the conversation. And I said, well, what's the problem? You've got the job done. And he went, oh, no, if I take these drawings to school, everyone's going to laugh at me. And I'm getting, you know, he's and basically went on to explain that he was getting really annoyed with that. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, isn't it? If he, because he's, his pictures, as far as I'm concerned, for a 12-year-old, there was nothing wrong with them. It made me realise that if it starts that young, we're doomed from the beginning, aren't we, really? Yeah, I think as we, we grow older, we become more, more consci- conscious and self-conscious about things. And I think maybe art and, and, and drawing and creativity um, you know, falls into that bucket because you're really putting yourself on the line as well. When, you're, when you have to do a drawing, which is different from what we all do, which is we, we, we sort of start to lean towards doing more written-based work. When you mm. then have to step, step out of that and do drawing, I guess you're also... Um, opening yourself up as well. Yeah. What um, what this illustrates for me? Get, the, get it, Robert? Illustrates? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> there you go. I was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Try to keep up. Uh, this illustrates a couple of things for me, Robert. When you when you talk to people about drawing and like the the story that guy just shared about being an artist with the preschool through until maybe the teens. Yeah. The problem today is everybody, I think, treats their journal or their meetings where whatever they do has to get acceptance by the other person. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And when you doodle, draw, take notes, do your own cartoons, number one, we know science has shown us you learn better because the majority of people in a room are visual. Number two, it gives you much better comprehension just taking notes with a computer or an iPhone we know you record, but you don't comprehend as well, which Philip Hesketh told us on the Mojo Radio Show. Mm. But the problem is that when we do these doodles in our journals, back to Guy's point and back to you know young fellow's point, is I think we try and we do it so it's not illustrating points that we want to learn, but it has to look good in case somebody else looks at it. It's got to make sense to them and be acceptable to them. Mm. Yeah. And I think when you're a kid drawing growing up, you just do it for yourself. You don't have to impress anybody because you could draw mm. anything and your parents go, oh, darling, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. they go straight up on the fridge. 
Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, strap the fridge. I've got a two-year-old as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a black blob up in the fridge. That is, that right there, my darling, that's art. Yeah, it's fantastic. You are, yeah. you are so yeah. clever. That's talent. Yeah. Whereas when it's old, it's like, mate, you got a black blob on your fridge, what's that? And <laughs> exactly. I think that's the thing I'd say to people is that the reason I find this conversation so powerful is because it's how we learn. You're going to learn better. If you listen to the Mojo Radio Show and you do your doodles and use colour, you're going to take more out and remember more of it. And number two, don't try and impress other people. Do it, to Guy's point, in your own way. And it made me think, Robbo, of a grab that we can play of Matt Church in one of our very first ever shows. Mm. And I said to Matt, where is strategy falling down? And he said, we don't dumb it down and make it simple enough. We should be able to draw our strategy with stick in the back of a napkin. Remember that? I do remember that. In fact, that would be this. You'll see Dan Rome. He's written a book called The Napkin Expert. And he's basically saying what John McFarlane, the ANZ turnaround CEO, you know, over a decade ago, do. He flew into Australia and he turned the business around on coasters. Any senior leadership team that were hanging around Jock knew that if they pulled a PowerPoint slide up in front of them, he'd give them a guys go handshake. He was um, annoyed at leaders' inability to be organic, raw, and authentic in their communication. So it's simply this. Draw, don't show. So figure out a way to draw the strategy on the back of a napkin, like Dan Rome's book can teach you, and as a leader, turn up and do that. So I reckon... If you can draw diagrams, if you can tell stories and you can ask questions to establish meaning, they're three you know, really old school tools. They're really high touch tools that will have a huge impact in this high tech world. Now, back to what Guy said earlier in this, this interview, hmm. you talked about, Guy, how having visuals and drawings helps people to understand better. And Hugh Mackay, who wrote a number of great books here in Australia, he defined communication as shared meaning. Mm. And I just think all this stuff is going down to not just me telling someone what, but actually showing with the chance that if you draw it to a representation, in your experience, Guy, it must lend to a better shared meeting, even a conference, for, either in a conference setup, meeting setup, having a cup of coffee, talking to your wife. Are you finding that through visual representation? Yes, uh, absolutely. I think that that um, point about shared meaning is is a really powerful one because if you draw it on a poster or on your journal uh, or on a whiteboard, it's a focal point for, for say, if it's just the two of you talking about a topic. You can look mm. at that point that's been drawn, and it doesn't have to be Picasso, but it gives you it's a springboard to uh, talk about it or to explore it, deconstruct it, and say, look, what I think is it's this, it's not that. And then you can start building on that, on that little scratch or that illustration. And I think just by having something captured, it does allow you to share meaning or explore meaning or make sure that you're both on the same page and you're both seeing it the same way. Um, so, and I think underlying all this as well is it's all about engagement. So you need to find ways of engaging people to communicate, to get across your, your point. Um, you know, people are extremely busy these days. Like, um, I think we, I feel that we're getting busier and busier and, Finding a simple way of making that connection and, and to enable understanding and to do it in a more quicker um, method is, is really, um, really important. Uh, and I think drawing can definitely do that. Uh, again, it's just about being brave and picking up the pen and making that mark on the page or the, on, on the whiteboard. And as you say, not to worry about what it looks like, like your, your son, Robbo, with the Japanese homework. It's like this is 
my work and it allows us to talk about this next topic or I can assign meaning to it, I'll bring it to life mm. when I talk about it. It's gold. Gold, Robert. Absolute gold. Gold! It is gold, absolutely. Guy, tell us about the Office Guy cartoon series you're currently doing. Yeah, well, look, um, Gary, I mean, I'm really lucky in my role. Um, I get to hear some amazing people speak in all types of forums and workshops and meetings and conferences. And one of the things that always comes up is about... Um, you know, staying and being curious. Uh, and when I'm graphic recording or visual note-taking or live-scribing in a meeting, and I'm drawing, I'm capturing big ideas and themes and then um, maybe matching it with uh, a little drawing or a visual metaphor, just like the chair we talked about earlier, you know, drawing the chair in the corner. Um, and sometimes when people come up to the posters after a workshop and they're reflecting on it or they're using it to spark conversation with somebody else uh, or sharing stories, people might, you know, touch the poster and point at it and go, oh, I like that little drawing you've done there. You know, I like the chair. Um, and that sparks more conversations. And I just got thinking. I thought, you know, I wonder if there's something in this. I mean, I love doing them. Um, for me, it's, it's like a 10-year project. I just want to create as many cartoons as I can. And I want these cartoons to help people think and talk about business issues or things that are important to them in their organization using the simple cartoon as a, as a springboard. Um, and, you know, I think it helps cut through a thousand bullet points. Um, it can, you know, create that shift maybe. It doesn't always give you the answer, but if it starts to shift about where you want to go, that's very powerful. Um, and it also came back to, um, I love your point about the journal. When my, um, my daughter was born, um, my wife gave me a notebook, and this was back in 2008. And it was from, from my wife and my daughter. Obviously, she was a, a baby, so she didn't buy it or wrap it or write anything in it. But um, it was from the, both, from the both of them. And um, it was for me to capture my ideas, my cartoon ideas. And I just started doing that in 2008. So when I heard something on the bus, which was interesting, or in the coffee shop or in a meeting, and, and the ideas usually come from a turn of phrase, something very simple that someone might say. And I go, ah, oh, I think there's a cartoon in that. And it's the same type of process that I go through when I'm in a workshop. Um, the beauty is that you're listening to people. And regardless of the topic, whether it's um, statistics about road traffic or whether about it, it's, you know, it's a, um, a retail good or whether it's about um, you know, a banking issue, people might think that topic is very dry. But the way it's delivered by a person, they really humanize it. And sometimes in that turn of phrase, there's a little nugget for an idea for a cartoon. And I thought that, um, yeah, I'd like to capture these ideas, bring them to life in a cartoon in my style, which people have liked at conferences and they've seen in my previous work, and just see where this goes. Um, you know, I think I'm also doing it as a side project. I get so much joy from it. Um, maybe the same as you and, and Robbo with the, the Mojo radio show is that you do it for, to help people with, with learning and, and to give them insights, but you're also getting a lot of joy from it. So I think that's really important is to have that side project and officeguycartoons.com is that side project for me um, but it's very much linked to the core of what I do. Mm, very nice. Just a question, mate. You, um, for our, our international guests listening, um, Guy lives in Tamworth which is in New South Wales and Tamworth is in country New South Wales which is also the country music capital of Australia. That's right. Living... <laughs> Proudly, because this show is a bit country, a bit rock and roll, as Robbo will quite, <laughs> quite, quite clearly tell you. Um, living out there, guy in a country rural setting, yes, and then travelling 
to and from gigs to do your corporate work. How has that had an effect on your creativity? Because you are kind of living the digital nomad life where you could live Mm. in a rural setting but still work with some of the biggest corporations at the top end of town in Australia. Have you found that effect on your creativity? Um, Well, I think it's had a very profound effect. Um, I remember when we moved up here in 2010 and uh, the removalist from Sydney was unpacking the truck and uh, he started asking me, what I did and I explained to him that I'm an illustrator I sort of work in an organizational setting and I find an office in Tamworth and he just said to me wow mate you've got it made and it made me really think what a how lucky I am and a real privilege to be able to do my job in a country setting and it gives me the space and the time to to think and draw and you know um play out ideas as well as have time to um uh you know spend time with my family so it's a great balance for me um, obviously, mm. there are busy times when you're on the plane and you're flying, you know, to um, WA or up to Queensland. But that's fantastic as well because I get to, I guess, interact with um, organisations and people and hear amazing stories. And all those things feed, um, I guess, back into me. And then when I'm in the, the country, I have time to reflect on it. And you know, I love walking my dog first thing in the morning at dawn. And, and it's in those times when you know ideas pop into my head about something I might have heard last week or last month and then I write it down and I log it and I might use it in future. And I think the great thing about the Australian countryside is that um, it's got everything you need but it also allows you to go up and, up and down the gears. I, I feel personally that um, I can be as busy as I want to be but then I can also step out and I see the big sky and I can have that space and uh, time and fresh air. Very nice. Just uh, one final question. I, my belief is that most people have a journal sitting somewhere yeah. in their desk at home or at the office and it sits there and has done for some time collecting dust and hasn't been open. Yes. Someone's going to hear this show in their car, uh, at the gym, on the bus, the train, on an aeroplane and hopefully they'll make a commitment to start illustrating, drawing, and taking advantage of some of the learning tools we've talked about. Somebody is going to go and grab their journal. What piece of advice would you give to somebody straight up to make better use of this particular episode of the Mojo Radio Show? Yeah, I definitely, um, you know, promote somebody picking up the pen off the show and and their, their journal, their pad, and start scratching down their ideas. And I'd, I'd, I'd say to them is don't put pressure on yourself. Do it for yourself uh, and do it for enjoyment. Um, but also it takes time to tune in. Like it took me probably, I, I guess, um, sort of 10, 10, 15 years to, to, to work out that I wanted to draw in an organizational setting. And, and if you're put, capturing these ideas in your journal, um, just keep capturing them. And the reason why they're important to you might not appear straight away but it might be small steps. It might lead to something later on. But the fact that you've captured it is really powerful and it will help you um, learn why you've, why you've captured it, why this is important. And also it, whatever you've captured will, will lead you to something new, which you might not know yet. But I think the, the fact that you're doing it, um, capturing ideas, uh, it's a habit, it's a discipline, it's a practice, which is also very good. Uh, but also then also after a long time, you can look back and go, wow, I've collected all these ideas and all these thoughts and something might come out of that. And I think that's really, really powerful. 
Good advice. Now, we we will post the cartoon that you've done of the Mojo Radio Show, which you sent through to Robbo and I, which is super cool. So we'll post that on our Facebook page. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks. It, it's fantastic, man. We, we love all this stuff. And we'll, uh, we'll get your details up in Tamworth because I think if you walk downtown, the Main Street in Tamworth, particularly during the Country Music Festival, with our soap on a rope around your neck... <laughs> public image style like it <laughs> you will certainly attract some attention I'm, t- I'm just just putting, putting it out there I'll give it a I've go I've got a whole new tagline for our soap on the rope mmm smells like the mojo show <laughs> okay we can edit that out anyway uh, <laughs> Guy um, can we get you to do a visual representation of this particular episode. Could we ask you for a favour to do a visual representation that we could actually give out to everybody who's listened to the show for people to download off the, off the Facebook site or our website? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. If I can get a copy of the audio, I can then go to the process that I do with graphic recording or, or visual note-taking and, and, and put together a, like a one-page summary or, or mind map of, of this conversation. Wow, that'd be really interesting. That would be awesome. Well, mate... Um, it has been great. I have actually been sitting here taking notes and I have started doing my own doodles on the page, which has sort of changed how I would normally record what I'm talking about on the Mojo radio show. So we thank you so much for your time. Uh, where, for people who would like to see more of what you do, find out about the Office Guy cartoons and perhaps get you involved in some of their corporate events, where would you send people? Uh, I'd send them to go to um, guydowns.com. Uh, and that's where you can find all examples of my work, corporate work, um, also a link to Office Guy Cartoons. Uh, that's a good place to start. So that's guydowns.com. Beautiful. Nice. Well, thank you, mate. Enjoy uh, Tamworth. See you up there for the Country Music Festival. And anybody who hasn't been up to the Country Music Festival in Tamworth, that is certainly worth a trip. If you like your music of any style, not just country, any style, Hmm. Uh, it's a great place to go to. The town comes alive. If you're an international guest, it'd be a great time to come across in January, head to Tamworth mm. for the Country Music Festival, catch up with Guy and uh, enjoy yourself. It's a brilliant time. Good on you, mate. Great. Thanks, Robo. Thanks, Gary. The Mojo Radio Show. So, folks, one of the things we pride ourselves on the Mojo Radio Show for is usable, practical stuff that you can put into your world to get your mojo working in and out of work. Taking notes, doing it visually, using lots of colour, drawings, doodles is so powerful. And my hope is that before the day is out, no matter where you're listening to the show, before the day is out, grab your journal, grab your pens and record something down. Just do some notes and journals using stickmen and colours and arrows and dots and star shapes. But start the process, folks, because trust me, I've been learning this stuff now for many, many years. The stuff that I do this way makes a heck of a difference when you need to recall your learnings. And learners are earners, folks. Now, before we finish the show, we promised we would catch up with Robbo. He's on the road in New Zealand. He's away from the studio, so I have the panel all to myself. Let's uh, let's catch up with Robbo. He filed this report. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Hey guys, it's late night here, Auckland time. So far we've been on the road for four days. The boys have had one game of rugby against a team from a little town called Ruawai in the north of the North Island. The game finished with a record win to the Beecroft boys of 54 to 10, a record winning margin, which is nice. So that means they'll be bringing home the Trans-Tasman Trophy at least. Uh, There's two more games to go between now and Sunday when we come home. 
But uh, on the way back from Ruawai yesterday, I caught up with a few of the boys on the bus just to try and give you some idea of what the tour has been like so far. I started by asking them what the highlight of the trip so far was. When I went to the Luge. The Luge. The Luge. The Luge. Tell us about the Luge. What's the Luge? The Luge is a race course that relies on gravity. Yeah. You sit in these really small cars. You have a brake. You have acceleration. And... The, one of the main rules is that you have to keep inside the car at all times. The snow dome. The snow dome? Tell us about that. What did you do there? Um, well, we went tubing, which is where you sit in this big tyre type thing. And um, you ride down this hill and it's really fun. Going to the snow dome and the... So as you can see, a record win really meant a lot to the boys. They've put so much hard work into their rugby in the weeks leading up to this with, uh, with special training sessions and all sorts of things. So um, nice to see that so many of them mentioned that a record win there was one of the most exciting things to happen on tour so far. After the game, they spent uh, a night or two with their billets up in rural Hawaii, being a... Uh, a small community, the majority of them spent some time on the local farms yeah, in, a, in a dairy district up early in the morning to milk the cows and all those usual farming duties. So um, I tried to get a bit of information out of them about, uh, about what that was like. We went onto the farm and fed the calves and milked the cows. Yep. Well, it was good that you get to meet new people from the different teams. We went rock climbing. Yep and ate lots of sugary things. Um, in the morning we went out to go carve some cows and just pat them. Yeah. And then for breakfast they gave us egg and bacon and hash browns. So it's nice to see that um, all those things you'd expect to find on a farm like sugary things and hash browns uh, have made their way into the boys' diet uh, during their farm stays. Uh, now, the rugby itself was a pretty tough game. There were some big fellas from Ruawai, um, obviously being a farming district. There was a couple of units amongst the kids that, um, that took on our boys. I asked the kids how a big win against a team of that size might affect their approach to similar games of rugby when they got home. Do you think that in the back of your head you might think, well, I've played guys this side before and size before and we've done pretty well. So we might have a chance here. Mate, sometimes. Do you reckon you might think yeah. that? Yeah. I personally thought that they were going to beat us like um, up about 50 nil. So as you can see, mate, confidence is riding high on the bus. The rugby tour is killing it, although I have a funny feeling that the rugby is going to be one of the least things remembered on this tour. Uh, 40 kids and 10 dads is a lot of work, but um, mate, we're chewing up the miles and having a great time. So hopefully me and my liver We'll see you as one in a week or so. Cheers, mate. I can't wait to get on the road again. Thanks, Robbo. Sounds like you're having a good time, doesn't it? So before we wrap up the show, I thought we would do a lesson of rock. This is Dave Dobbin and a slice of heaven. Now, Dave Dobbin is, for anybody who's not familiar with this song, it was the soundtrack to Foot Rot Flats, a big successful movie. And it's also... Dave Dobbin's one of those iconic New Zealanders. What I take out of this, and the lesson I take out of it, is that a business or an individual needs to become famous for something. And Dave Dobbin is no doubt he's famous for this song, and this song represents everything New Zealand. So when Robbo and I were talking about putting the show together, we said, what could we play that is iconically 
unmistakably New Zealand, it was the soundtrack from Footbrot Flats and A Slice of Heaven. Think to yourself and doodle about this in your journal. What is your business famous for? What's the one thing it's famous for? Or you as a leader? If people would look at you as a leader, what's the one thing they would say you're famous for? Because there's no doubt that this song says everything you need to say about New Zealand. We're out. Hey, I got a lot of faith in you. I'll stick with you, kid, that's the bottom line. Yeah, I have a lot of fun, don't you? And living with you is a ball of a time. Hey, beauty, when the mood gets you down.
Joe Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.